Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. My name is Joss Golden and I am so happy you are here. In this podcast series, I interview people who are passionate about parenting. We talk about all things to do with motherhood and parenting and explore the joys and the challenges that we all face in our families. The aim of the podcast is to inspire us all on our parenting adventures and to support parents to raise their children with more awareness, connection and love. Hello and welcome to this episode of Aware Parenting Stories podcast. Today I'm really delighted to have the beautiful Lael Stone on. Good morning, Lael. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to finally meet you because like we've known of each other since back in the old days of Marion's Yahoo group and we've both got big, big kids now, but we've never actually spoken in person. So it's really lovely to finally meet you. Isn't it funny how we have um, online relationships with people where you know of each other and you know each other's names and then you actually, well, we're still not even meeting in person, but we're actually visually seeing each other. So that's, yeah. it's lovely, isn't it? It's really nice. Mm. Yeah, really nice. Now, Lael doesn't really need any introduction, but I will just briefly <laughs> tell you a bit about her in case you've never, you know, um, been living under a rock or something for the last <laughs> 15 years. But Lael is a champion of connection and creating harmony in families. She's an educator, uh, amazing TEDx speaker. Wow, well done, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, author, mother, parenting counsellor, and she's been working with families for over 18 years She facilitates workshops and support groups to empower parents to create connections and stronger relationships with their children. Hooray for that. Yes. Mm. More of that, please, in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Lael is also the wonderful co-creator of Woodline Primary School, which hopefully you'll get to tell us a little bit about, but it's a new innovative school that is based on emotional well-being and connection. Lael also co-hosts the Aware Parenting podcast and speaks publicly um, through her own uh, workshops and also through her involvement in the Resilience Project, um, which you could also probably talk about, which would be really interesting. And most importantly of all, she's mum to three beautiful big kids, teenagers and young adults, and so she's um, busy and has been busy for 22 years doing all that. Mm. So welcome, Lael, lovely to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So maybe we could just start briefly with how you found Aware Parenting, because I know that you came to it when your first two kids were quite big. Mm -hmm. Um, What was that process like? Uh, well, I stumbled across the word parenting really out of out of trauma, a need to go, how do I help um, my baby and myself? So my oldest kids were, my son was nearly eight and then my daughter was four at the time and then I just had a new baby and we'd had a pretty traumatic birth experience and separation and, and life and death kind of situation and, and a lot of big stuff that went on. And I'd worked in birth for many, many years, so I knew the absolute importance of bonding and connection and just, you know, skin on skin and breastfeeding and all the gorgeous stuff that, you know, we try and do. And we had none of that with my baby because she spent the first four days of her life in a coma. And so she was surrounded with machines and, you know, I wasn't there when she opened her eyes for the first time. Like all the stuff that you're like, oh, my God, is that going to ruin 
attachment? Is that what's that going to mean? And um, and look, she came through that experience um, to everyone's great surprise, unscathed. And when I finally did get her home, I I was like, we both got trauma, and I need, I want to help her move this because I just could see even in her little body as like a two week old baby, you could see the tension and stress in her body. And I was like, how do I help her move this? And I don't even remember who it was, but someone told me about this book called The Aware Baby. And so I got it. And as I started reading it, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like not only is this the answer for my baby now, but this is probably what I've been looking for with my older children. So I was, you know, at best an attachment parent. You know, I co-slept and I breastfed my kitties till they were two and, you know, I, I, I never, you know, smacked them and I was, you know, I was very playful, but I did not know what to do with feelings. So if anything, I was probably quite a permissive parent. I, I really thought my job was to keep my kids happy all the time. It's very exhausting <laughs> trying to keep your kids happy all the time. And because I was trying to keep them happy all the time and I wasn't looking after my own needs, I, I turned into being a really resentful mum, you know. So probably the, those first years of parenting I found so hard. I didn't like being a mum at all. Uh, I just was exhausted constantly because I wasn't getting my needs met. So it was really tricky. And even though I was connected and attuned to my kids, I definitely, you know, shut their feelings down or just tried to distract them from them. So when I read The Aware Baby and and realised that about, you know, with my littlest um, Bubba to help her move some of her birth trauma, I was looking at my older kids thinking, whoa, I need to do this for you. And so as soon as I read it, it just, it was like the final piece of the puzzle I'd been looking for. And I was like, oh, wow, um, I have to start doing this. So with the with my baby, it was a lot easier, I think, because I you know, each day I'd take her into the room, you know, when I knew she'd been fed or, you know, she'd had her needs met. And then I'd just hold her on my lap and say, you know, if you want to tell me anything, honey, I'm listening. And she would just always start crying. And I think because the trauma was so real for both of us, I would sometimes sit there and just hold her and tears would, you know, fall down my face and and I would also be able to see, it was like she was telling me a story. And because I think we were connected, I knew exactly what parts she was talking about. And, and so I just listened to her and my husband was on board with it. So he would listen to her as well. And we began to just see such incredible evidence of the stress and trauma moving her body. I think what was amazing for me also at the time was my cousin, who's an osteopath, who does a lot of cranial work, was also treating her. And when I started listening to Tali's feelings, I'd then take her back to see my cousin Claire and my cousin would be like, oh, my God, what? I don't know what you're doing, but her whole body's changing. And so I had this beautiful, almost scientific uh, evidence from what my cousin was feeling in her body to what I was seeing. And so I just knew it was the right thing. And then we literally began to watch her whole body shift and change, began to sleep better. Um, everything just started to soften. Our connection started to deepen. And I was like, wow, this is powerful. Mm. You know, I feel with my older two kids, I I just fed them all the time because that's all I knew what to do. And I just almost felt like I had to try to trick them to go to sleep. And so with my third baby, I, I didn't need to overfeed her and I never needed to trick her to go to sleep. I would just listen to her feelings and it was just so much easier. Yeah. So with my baby actually felt, and because I think she was my third and, and, you know, by the time you have a third child, you know, kids are pretty robust, right? You know, I used to say when I worked in birth, babies are pretty hard to break, right? <laughs> so it's not, we, we're so often, oh my God, 
tender with them, which we should be. But I realized, you know, she's she's a baby and, and I have had babies before and, you know, I I've probably was more open to doing it. I don't know if I would have been open to doing it with my son mm. when I first became a mum because I think I was just so freaked out of becoming a parent. So I think it was just perfect that I was able to do it with her as a baby. But then when I looked at my older two kids, I was like, whoa, we've got a lot of catching up to do with listening to their feelings. Mm. So I just stopped trying to fix and I stopped trying to distract them. And in the beginning, I remember them both looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, this this isn't what you normally do. Why aren't you making it better? And actually just started, we started the process of learning to listen to each other and for me to sit with their big feelings and and it was it was big in the beginning there was a lot of feelings there there was a big backlog of stuff and and I feel like I spent probably those first two or three years all I did was just listen to feelings that was my full-time job I remember thinking there's no time for me to work I just have to look after myself and listen to feelings and that's pretty much what I did for for a good three years just of solid Right, we're we're doing a lot of healing here and a lot of listening, and um, and I just began to see the benefits of it and the evidence of how much my kids all shifted, how they became less yelling, less fighting with siblings, how it felt so much more harmonious in our home. So I just knew that that's what we needed to do. So that's that's how it started, you know, fourteen and fifteen years ago now. Um, yeah, and I just see stumbling across that book and the whole. Ex- experience I had with Tali was just such a gift. Mm. I, even though we had a really traumatic experience, I would not change one single part of it because I feel like it led me on to such powerful work that I do now. It helped me become the mother I wanted to be. Uh, it's it's absolutely allowed me to have the, the most divine relationship with my children and my husband. Uh, I just feel deeply, deeply grateful for it. Yahweh, yes. Oh, that's such a lovely story, yeah, and I totally understand. It's just that gratitude daily, basically, isn't it, where we think, thank God we found this, thank God we were able to practice it, and thank God we get to keep learning and keep growing and keep developing and keep having those layers of understanding and connection. Oh, so nice. So that sounds amazing, Lael. Um, It sounds like you were listening to her, um, Tali's feelings a lot, like mm. for probably a long time, you know, mm. how how many hours a day or what did that look like to start mm. with? In the beginning, I think as because it was still so new for me, we'd probably do like half an hour mm-hmm. a day to start with. And I was doing it at times where I felt really resourced to do it, probably not necessarily tuning into when she needed it as much, but mm-hmm. just like, okay, I don't have the other kids with me. I feel calm. Let's do it now. So it's almost like she waited all day and then I'd go, okay, and now. Yeah. <laughs> now tell that's, me. That's so crucial, isn't it, for people? Yeah. That, I mean, because we can't really listen to feelings unless we're in a space to listen to feelings. So I think that's, yeah, that's really important yeah. for people to understand that. And so I think in the beginning it was a bit more structured of when I had space and time to do it, but then I began to see that she was really needing it before going to sleep at night. And so my husband and I would take in turns of listening to her before she would need to sleep. And 
And, you know, I think for anyone who has more than one child, you know, by the time you have two or three kids, your third child just has to fit in with your life because you constantly, you know, I was like taking kids to school and kinder and and I remember thinking she just has to be a cruisy baby who can sleep anywhere because we're just going to be doing things. And she did. It was beautiful as a tool to just see I could be in the car and just, you know, pull over and listen, hold her and listen to her tears for 15 minutes or so and then she would go to sleep or um, whether I would put her in the sling and carry her on me or whatever. It, it actually, we just had to be really, really flexible because I had two other children I was also taking care of. Uh, so I think in the beginning I, I just started with small pockets and then I began to just listen each time before she needed to go to sleep. And then and then I just kind of tuned into her to follow what her needs were. So it, I, what I did really witness because we had trauma is we needed to kind of establish a baseline first of listening. So it was like we kind of firstly did let's just kind of clear the top level of stuff first yeah. and make it safe enough and then when I felt really comfortable with tears, that's when some of the bigger, deeper stories I think of hers started to come out. And that was probably when she was about one and a half or two, I began to really see or could intuitively feel, ah, this is about this. Um, Because there would be some really massive releases that would go for an hour and, you know, just different things she would do that I'd I'd really have this intuitive sense of this is more around her birth and what happened, separation and stuff like that. So, uh, and even over the years, um, there's been certain times and things that have popped up mm-hmm. where there has been more releasing. Mm-hmm. And look, even even for, for probably the first eight or nine years, every time it was her birthday, both of us would wake up in the morning and just feel sick, mm-hmm. uh, her and I, and and I'd be like, oh, God, here's more story, and I'd try and, you know, connect and listen, but it felt really big. And then I think it was around about her ninth birthday she woke up and she walked into the room and she said to me, uh, it's done now. We don't need to go over the story anymore. It's finished. And wow. I was like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> and then amazing. that was it. And then there wasn't anything more around, you know, that day, that year, what happened, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I've just watched over the years. Because I think, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, doing it with your children since they're babies, they're so deeply tuned to what they need. They just come straight in with, this is what I'm feeling. This is what is going on for me. That it just, I just totally trust her to tell me exactly what's there and what she needs. And that's what's been magnificent to watch. Whereas my other two kids, probably because I didn't do it with them from when they were born, um, sometimes I had to work a bit harder to help their feelings come out. Yeah. Um, And did you have times uh, where you felt when you were listening to her, your younger one, your baby, did you have times where you were thinking more really? Like, did did you get to that? Because I I know that that's something that I definitely had. There were times when I felt really, is there really, you've cried so much. Do we really, is there really more there? Is this never ending? And you have this sort of idea when you first start that you'll, you'll listen to a chunk and that'll get healed. And then you won't won't have to do that anymore. Excuse me. Um, you know what? I probably didn't feel that because I think we'd been through such a big experience. I think I just sat with there's going to be a lot. And so I think I was never shocked about how much was there. And I think because in the beginning 
we just did start slowly. Like I, I really, like I often used to, when I ran workshops, I used to almost say how I would listen in the beginning. I would kind of hold her, but I'd kind of turn my head and go, I'm listening. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, I, it was very hard to be super present. So I had to just start with what I could in the beginning and like 20 minutes was enough or it was just slow little bits and pieces until I developed a greater capacity to even listen more or to be really present with it and to, to really deeply meet where it was at. So I don't think I had so much the feeling of, gosh, there's more because I just always thought it was pretty big what we went through. And so I expect that there's still more. And sometimes occasionally something will pop up mm. and she's 14 and a half now. And I, and I kind of curiously go, mm, I wonder if this is still a bit of this or that, you know, and, and again, I often say to people, we don't need to know what it is. It's just, is meeting it where, where it comes up. And so, um, but I do remember having three children and them all, when I started to listen to all their feelings, they were just all taking turns. And it's literally why I felt like I spent the first three or four years of that. Just all I did was listen to feelings. <laughs> there wasn't much space for anything else because there was a backlog for the older kids. And when I was really present and attuned, then just lots came. So as a collective, there was lots. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? And about the backlog bit. Um, I wonder, yeah, if you want to talk a bit about that, because I think, yeah, I had the same thing. I didn't discover aware parenting until my second child was born. And so um, my older boy had, he was two and I hadn't listened to any feelings at all. Um, and so I, I did have, yeah, it was difficult sometimes to support him to to access those feelings because he'd obviously developed some quite strong control patterns to, mm. to keep that all in. Mm. How did you go about um, opening the floodgates and getting that backlog cleared? <laughs> I think it was... Um... Mm, yeah gosh I'm just thinking back now I think uh, we use play a lot Mm. I think we use play to make it safe enough I think to firstly allow a lot of the stuff to melt Uh, I would start to look for what those control patterns were and particularly with my middle daughter it was food and it was sugar always. She just wanted treats. Can I just have a treat? Can I have a treat? Always. So there was some easier ways to set some beautiful limits so she could push up against them. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking about my son. It was more about play and just um, connecting. I mean, he's a very beautiful, gentle soul as it is. So there's not much that kind of phases him in his life. So even though I think we didn't so much listen to his feelings. He still got a lot of his needs met, I think, when he was younger. He's very, very close with my husband. Like they, you know, when I became a mum for the first time, I had a pretty traumatic birth experience with him. And so I think I probably spent the first year or two of his life in shock, you know, and I look back and think I actually probably did have PTSD and birth trauma. And because I was just pretty spun out and in shock, my husband really just stepped up and was like, you know, a mother and father to him. And they spent a lot of connection, a lot of play, a lot of laughter. So I feel like on some level that actually created a bit of a foundation for him to still get needs met in some way, even though we perhaps weren't listening to his tears in, in the way that he needed. Yeah, and, and it's actually, you know, as I look back now, I see the beauty and the wisdom of what happened is that him being our first child And having that space to really connect in with Mike was incredibly healing for my husband from his own childhood. Uh, It cemented such a deep connection between the two of them that I wonder if that would have been as um, prevalent if I was there on some level. Like I, I actually do see that 
part of his journey is he's come in for his dad and that they've kind of done this beautiful healing story mm-hmm. together. So as much as, um, you know, there's those parts where you can go, oh, well, I miss those cries or this and that, I still actually see the perfection of it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I see it come full circle actually because my son who's 22 now, he works at my school. And um, he works as what we call a guide assistant. We call our teachers guides. And his job is pretty much just to have special time with the kids all day. (laughs) So um, he's there just if any child's having a hard time in the classroom or they're feeling they need some connection. So Kai takes them outside, they play, they swing on the swings together, they'll talk about their feelings. So he basically just holds space for kids all day. And when I say to him, you know, you know, how is it for you? And he's like, it's, he goes, it's so easy. It's fun. Mm. And, and, you know, I've talked to him lots about how we navigate behavior and feelings and stuff at our school. And he often just says to me, you know, of, of course you just meet the child where they're at. And of course you just see them. And of course there's yeah. always something going on. Like it, there's not any element of, of him that is punitive at all. Mm. <laughs> and so even coming to aware parenting later, I see that what we have done and what has been cemented in him is just so natural to him. And he does it better than many of the trained adults at our school because it's embodied in him. He knows what it's like to be heard, to be listened to, Mm -hmm. to be played with in that way. And he just so naturally then does it with the children. It's really beautiful to witness. It's so beautiful, isn't it? And I mean, we often think, especially in the early days of aware parenting, how's this going to be? Where's it going to go? And then when our kids are older and we see, and we can see the parents that they're going to be and, oh my Lord, it's just so, (laughs) it's just so beautiful, isn't it? It is. It is really beautiful. Yeah, and I think that's why it's really great to be a bit further down the line to help others who are just starting off on the aware parenting journey for them because I felt like that in the beginning when we first started listening to feelings, I was like, oh, my God, is this going to (laughs) work? Like even my husband would be like, Mm. is this right? And I'm like, I just know in my being and my soul it is. I just know. This is what I would have wanted when I was a kid. I just know it will. And then I see so much of that evidence now in my own children and um yeah, just, you know, extraordinary. Like I, and my son also who does some disability support work was working with a, a, a child a few weeks ago and this child had so many big feelings and Kai just held the space for him for nearly 45 minutes while this child is yelling and crying and lots of big feelings. And, um, and then Kai came home and he's like, oh, can I just debrief with you about it? So we were talking about it. And I said, how was it for you holding that? And he said, well, I knew it was nothing to do with me. He goes, and I knew he just needed some safety. So I was just trying to keep that safety, but it was still big, mum. It was still big. (laughs) Went on for a long time. I'm like, yeah, it's huge, mate. It's really Mm. huge. Mm. And then he's like, and after a whole day of just playing with kids at school, he goes, I'm very exhausted. (laughs) I was like, yes. It's amazing. How amazing that is that not only, you know, will our children have the skills to be able to support their children or other children that they they come into contact with, but they also understand the need to support themselves just yes. automatically. They they get that, but you yes. know, if, if they've got feelings around it, that they that's a crucial part because that's so missing for so many of us when we first start aware parenting. Um, the piece about us, we think it's just about getting our baby to sleep or to release trauma or, or to stop our toddler having tantrums or whatever it is. But actually, you know, increasingly we see it's actually it's all about us. Um, so yeah. how amazing that he, he's he got that. And, yeah, I see that mm. in my children, too, that they just mm. they just know when they need when they need support and they know how to ask for it. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful to witness. I just 
if I look back on the whole 22 years of being a parent, there is not one single part of me that doubts that doing away parenting and raising my kids this way wasn't just the absolute best thing I've ever done. Yeah. You know, I just, I can't, there's just nothing compares yep. to it for me because I'm like, it is just, uh, it is created the connection and the harmony and the relationship that I've always deeply desired with my children. And it feels you know, so rock solid. And look, we still have stuff. Like I always love to be very real and go, look, there's times I see it sometimes where my kids will look at me and they just roll their eyes and they're like, for God's sake, mum. I'm like, yeah. there's the normal parts of them that are just like, Ugh. you know, but we've never had like slam doors and screaming matches and we've, there's never been states where we've got to that. And they've done really normal teenage stuff. Like, you know, they've, they've done all the appropriate stupid risk-taking things they're meant to do which is part of being a, a teen but we've whatever that's popped up we've navigated it with all right well what's going on and where are you at and what needs not being met and we've navigated anything that's come up with with respect and connection and conversation and communication more than anything mm. so it's still it hasn't been you know you don't raise your kids this way and then go right they'll just be perfect teenagers and it'll be there you know it's still messy and there's mm. still stuff that's going to top pop up but the foundation is there to to communicate and the love and the trust and the respect is there to mm. to meet each other with wherever yeah. it is yeah yeah i love that about where parenting too and the the beautiful tools that um, Alisa gives us to support our children and ourselves when things do go um, off on on in ways that feel really yuck and and yeah mm. often often family life is tricky and, and there's there is conflict and there is you know struggle and there are arguments and there are yeah lots of big feelings too mm. and when you welcome big feelings then you see big feelings <laughs> and sometimes big feelings in fact usually big feelings are messy and noisy and and difficult so yes. I love that um beautiful gift it gives us to to know how to rewind to know how to repair and reconnect with our children and to um yeah I don't know about you but I always find as well that through that process sometimes when we're in the midst of a of a, of a difficult situation at home and things are looking a bit messy and and not nice I love the fact that I know all I have to do is ride through the storm listen to feelings, rewind, repair, reconnect. And then at the end of that, we're actually at an even deeper level than we were before we had this horrible fight or whatever, whatever's going on. So I think that's just such a beautiful part of it too, isn't it? Oh, I agree. Totally. I agree. Because, and there's been many times where stuff has come up, particularly in the teenage years where I will sit there and both my husband will look at each other and go, what do we do? And I keep coming back to this, well, what would connection look like right yeah. now? What would connection look like? It looks like going in and saying, you know what, this has all gone down. Let's all just pause for a second and we're still here and we love you and we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it in a bit. And and connection looks like actually just speaking that and then taking some time yeah. to go and process or talk to someone or sit with your feelings so then we can come back and go, okay, this is where we're at. And that to me has been such a beautiful saving grace, particularly through the teenage years. I mean, look, I used to say, give me like a raging three-year-old any day. I'm like, mm -hmm. that is easy, man, <laughs> compared to some <laughs> of the stuff in the teenage years. I'm like, ah, ah what, what about this? And, of course, your own teenage self turns up and all your own stuff is there. And so that to sometimes take a pause and to just look at it through that lens of what would connection be now and, and how do we approach this? 
even if I don't know, but let's sit with it for a minute has yeah. has been just such a gift. Yeah, yeah. And I think like the more support that we're getting ourselves, um, especially as you say, when our, our teenage stuff raises its its ugly head, um, the easier it is for us to to not take things personally to and to stay connected to the mm. deep, deep love that we have for our children and stay mm. clear about the fact that their behavior is is just a sign that they're feeling really bad and they need our love and support and we're the person to go in and help them. That's what we do best mm. and just breathe for a minute and pause, like you say, mm. and then, yeah, just, just keep, keep approaching them from that space of connection. And that's, mm. I mean, that's the real magic about aware parenting, isn't it? It's that connection piece, whatever mm. the age of your child, just mm. prioritizing that and focusing on that as much as you can. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting, particularly living through the whole last few years of COVID and all the stuff that went with that. And I watched my teenagers move through some pretty big stuff, which was kind of, you know, a result of what was going on in the world and, you know, not being able to see their friends and they weren't going to school. And, you know, there was some deeper shadow stuff that surfaced. And it actually surprised me where I was sitting there thinking, no, this shouldn't be happening. Like, you know, I've aware parent, I've listened to your feelings more than any other human in the world. Like we have played, we have listened. Like why you, you know, in my head, why are they even going through this? And I, I had to really sit with myself for a bit going, ah, oh, you know, this is a tool and, and we are also humans and mm. there is also life is going to bring us experiences and it's okay if they feel big stuff that it was asking me to go even deeper into trust of their journey and that um, that was that was really profound for me living through these last few years of watching and witnessing the humanness of life still turns up yeah. and oh, we're parenting in those situations are about just still staying connected yeah not fixing and and knowing that that may need to be a bit dark and hard for a little bit of time but still staying there and saying hey I'm right by your side I I think I was kind of shocked that no I've done all this and then you just should cruise through teenagehood (laughs) and then I was like oh no actually there's stuff that's still there and that is actually still going to serve you you know in your own specific journey so that's that was really fascinating just to watch the the nuances and also as my kids move through life and have life experiences uh, how beautiful aware parenting has held us as, as a family but also to just know you know sometimes it's not going to look how I think it should look and and that is okay yeah yeah absolutely and to remember that it's like it's a it's just an ongoing journey. It's not. Yes. It's not a thing that you do and then you get a result. Yeah. Yes. In, in those, you know, you don't do aware parenting and then aware parenting's done. It's just this yeah, yeah. ongoing way totally. of being with ourselves yeah. and with our children. That totally. is about loving connection, yeah. support, listening, yeah. authentic, yeah. beautiful loveliness. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember in the early days. Uh, you know, when when my kids would still have issues, and we'd be like, "Well, hang on a minute, this aware parenting thing's not working." <laughs> It's it's not a means to an end. It's just Mm -hmm. a way of being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's lovely. Yes. Mm. How nice. And so um, are there any things that you remember finding particularly challenging over the years about implementing aware parenting? Um, Anything that you you found tricky? Any of the tools that you found harder Mm. to use than others? Mm. Uh, It was definitely hard 
learning to listen to feelings when others were around. So I felt really comfortable doing it just if I was at home with my kids. Yeah. But if my in-laws were over or other people, I felt the the judgment a lot and that was really hard to learn how to absolutely hold my centre and be my child's ally in those moments. You know, there were many times where there was a lot of judgment if we were out somewhere from in-laws or family members and that was that was all about, I think, confidence for me to just go, actually, it's okay for them to have feelings and my job here is to just be with them. Yeah. So that I that that it was like learning to exercise a muscle around being more comfortable when others were watching or witnessing to be with the big feelings. So that felt really tricky for me in the beginning. Um, but then the more I did it, the more I then I was like, oh, no, I'm just here for my child. I don't care what you think. Mm. And then I began to see it slightly shift in people around when they saw them what would happen when my kids would release and come back into balance and then feel good they'd be like oh wow this is interesting so that that was that was really tricky in the beginning mm. um play sometimes was was where i could see they needed play and i was in this like i can't be bothered i don't yeah. want to play with you yes <laughs> Just in this, too tired. Oh, this is really hard. So sometimes that felt really challenging, and that's where my husband was pretty awesome at play. And so I'd often just be like, "You have, it's your turn," you know. And and my kids naturally, I think they would come to me with more of the big feelings, and they would go to my husband for play. And and so that was, you know, interesting just to observe what what that was. Uh, Probably the hardest, one of the hardest parts of of aware parenting was actually getting my needs met, which was realizing that I actually needed listening time, that I needed to um, take care of me in order to be able to do this for the kids. And that there was a lot caught up in that. There was my stories around self-care and and my imprints around that were all that, you know, no, you don't stop. If you, you know, you you have three, if you're not doing three jobs, then you're lazy. That was the, the story I got from my family of origin. So it was very tricky to undo those belief systems yeah. around taking care of me and that I was worthy of being taken care of and um, I didn't have to wait for permission to take care of myself. Like there was a that was probably the hardest part to yeah. shift and change. Yeah. The learning to take care of myself and meet my own needs so I could meet my kids. So I think once I began to get comfortable with the tears, I was like, yep, let's go, bring it on. Like I just saw how powerful it was. Um, you know, the play I learned to navigate, but it was definitely probably about getting my own needs met. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have you know, I, I grew up with a very, very conscious, aware mom and a very, very loving father by all accounts. I had a very, very safe emotional childhood. So I didn't feel like I had loads and loads of feelings there around, you know, I never got my needs met when I was a child and this is really painful. I felt like I have had a very beautifully supported life. So it felt easier to move into doing the feelings work. Uh, it wasn't so much that it was, it was really about just knowing how to take care of me in order to take care of my kids. Yeah, that's such a huge one, isn't it? That was definitely a big struggle for me as well. And I I always used to say that I've I've been on an aeroplane and the oxygen mask had come down. I would have understood that I was supposed to put mine on first, but I still would have put them on my children before me. Totally. You know, um, (laughs) and, yeah, Yeah. I I had real challenges. um, Yeah. doing that, meeting my needs and understanding Mm. that my needs were actually crucial. And I think that's so common for so many of us, particularly mums who Mm. who come to aware parenting and think that then we just need to aware parent our children. Mm. And it's so hard to 
to um, get to unpack all that stuff that we are carrying about, you know, having been maybe shamed as kids for expressing emotion or being punished or being shut down or just just repressing our feelings so much um, throughout our lives that we're not even really aware that we have any feelings or that we have any needs that that need meeting. Um, so, yeah, that was a big thing for me, too. How did you go about that? Lael, how did you go about shifting that for yourself and getting the support that you needed? Or was it just a gradual process that seeing it work so well for your children just made you clear that that's what you needed too? I think in the beginning when I first started listening to the kids, um, it felt really big that I, and I didn't know anyone else doing aware parenting. So one of my um, really good friends was pregnant at the time and I gave her the Aware Baby book and went, can you please read this? I need someone to talk to about it. And so (laughs) she started reading it and then together we would just talk about it all the time. So we really just became that listening connection for each other, which was kind of the lifeline. So when there was big feelings, I would text her and go, oh my God, that just went on for an hour and I'm feeling this, this and this. And we would be that support and, and we would constantly like, have you got some time to listen and, So that I realised right in the beginning was just vital to have someone to talk to or to be able to express to um, who got it and who understood it was was really one of the parts that was the absolute saving grace of this. Uh, I think, um, well, actually what really shifted the element of self-care is probably about two and a bit years into when my third child was born and we were doing away parenting, um, I think when the time was right, I started to develop pretty intense PTSD uh, symptoms. So even though I was listening to my daughter's feelings and I was starting to do some work, it was probably when she was about two and a half years of age when I think my body and my mind went, okay, everyone's safe enough now. Now let's deal with what really happened. And I started to develop really full-on PTSD. So I actually couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. All I could do was look after my kids and that was it. It was massive. Like it was it was really painful and full-on, really high anxiety, a lot of panic. And I knew at the time what was going on. I was like, okay, here it is. Like I, I had kind of like dealt with the trauma on one level and now it was like, now really here is the trauma. And um, and so that I think forced me on some level to have to be really vulnerable and to have to take care of myself because I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't, I was just, it, the panic and the anxiety was so big that it was, my body was making me say there has to be another way. So I actually think I was kind of more forced to do it because it, I just, I couldn't function. Mm. And so I had to just start learning to say no to things. I started to have to really look at having really strong boundaries for myself. I um, went and did lots of body work and therapy to work through what was going on. I had to move the trauma that was kind of stuck in my body. And I had to really, you know, go back into the story on some level. And I, I look back now and think it was actually really perfect timing. I think I really, in those first few years, needed to just keep everyone alive and we're all okay. And I, even though I was doing aware parenting, me having to go deeper into that stuff, I think allowed me to go deeper into my own pain and hurt and trauma from what happened with my daughter to then give me a whole deeper appreciation for anxiety, for um, trauma, for being with the deeper, darker feelings, for really holding space for myself and taking care of me uh, in order to be able to 
to turn up for not only my children and others. So I think if I reflect back, that was probably what actually was the line that helped me move further into it because it was kind of became about survival. Mm-hmm. I have to put my needs first here to heal and to be okay. And so I think that healing journey took probably a good year or two mm-hmm. until I actually started to come through the other side and go, okay, I don't feel panicked anymore and I don't feel anxious and I can do work again. You know, I used to I used to be out there public speaking, talking to hundreds of people, running workshops, and I, I couldn't even sit down and talk to one person. Like it was really debilitating. I went from being really like I can do all this to being like, oh, God, there's stuff here. So I knew it was one of the greatest gifts for me to have to work through a whole lot of stuff that was stuck and I feel very grateful for it. It taught me so much about trauma and it taught me so much, gave me so much empathy for everybody's stories and journeys mm-hmm. and um, and created, an, I think, an even deeper part of me to meet my children in a place that said, wherever you need to go, how deep and dark it is, I'll meet you there. And mm-hmm. I, I feel very grateful for that. Yeah, Wow. That sounds huge, Lyle. Wow. How amazing. But it's interesting when I'm listening to you speaking throughout the the chat today, there have been so many times when you've um, expressed things, which is the other thing about aware parenting that I love, and that's the trust piece. And it's so easy for us now looking back, isn't it, to to say, oh, well, that happened at that time for a perfect reason. And that happened in that way for a perfect reason. And look at the gifts that that experience gave us and, and look at the timing and all that stuff. But um, it's harder to see it in the moment, especially in the early days, to, to have that trust. But that's such a central part of aware parenting, isn't it? It is. It, it, it's To me, it's the fundamental piece. Yeah. Can I trust that what my child is bringing me is that they know that that's what they need to move? Can I trust in my capacity to hold you know can I trust in life like it just it's for me it's the it's just such one of the most fundamental pieces our relationship to trust yeah and and for this I'm very grateful that my mother um, actually really uh, has modeled incredible trust for me in from just who she is of really trusting what life is showing us and how it turns up and so even amongst you know my daughter's birth even amongst um, the trauma the PTSD there was still a part of me that's that deep down inside knew this is part of my journey and I will come through the other side it feels messy and I don't like it uh, but I really do trust that this is part of a much bigger picture and it was and I wouldn't change any part of it yeah and I think it's it's lovely that it can develop by when we're listening to our babies and we start to develop some trust that the process is really helping and supporting them because afterwards they have those relaxed um,ness about them and that connection and the eye contact and all those sorts of things that we observe for. And then we can also start to um, deepen that trust when we're supporting them when they're a bit older and we are tempted to jump in and to to correct or advise or or whatever it is that we're tempted to set, tempting to say to them. And instead, we just um, you connect with that trust and we just listen and allow them to find their own way where they're going. And then, of course, like we were talking earlier now, when your children are much older and young adults, that that gets like stretched to next level, doesn't it? When they start oh. doing things like driving and going nightclubbing and all those kind of things. So it's it's mm. just as well that it's a, a mm. big part of the process. Yeah, well, I think it, it, you start when they're little building that capacity so that when they are teenagers and adults and they're going, hey, I'm, I'm about to go fly, you're like, okay, yeah. I trust your journey. I trust you to do whatever you know you need to do. And 
that is a beautiful place to sit in because then we don't move into worry and fear and, and you know, that energy doesn't help our kids. But mm-hmm. the message that we say is I trust you to know what you need to do yeah. and I trust you to, to follow whatever your inner barometer is telling you, then, you know, go be that and go do that. And, yeah, I feel very grateful for having had the years of practice to get to that point where, uh, now my adult children, uh, you know, living out of home or doing what they're doing and and just, you know, following who they are in their essence and trusting that they, they're doing exactly as they're meant to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've homeschooled our kids all the way through and there were so many times in that process where I was like, ah! you know, no one's learning anything. Oh, my God, they should be at school and all these sorts of things. And then now at the end of that, as a result, you know, my son's off at uni now and he's doing what he wants to do. And I have so much trust, so much trust in, in that that process and, and in my children just, just finding their way and knowing that they can always come to me for support when things are hard. Um, and I just wish I'd, I'd been able to feel that deeply back in, in the earlier days because there was, I think, my most uncomfortable and difficult parenting moments were when I lost the trust for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, I think... It's it's really helpful for us at the end of the process to be able to tell people at the beginning of the process that it's okay, everything's going to be all right. You can trust that it's okay. When it feels hard, reach out for support. Mm-hmm. But the the result of parenting in this way is that whatever challenges come for you and your children, which inevitably will, you will you will have a beautiful way to navigate your way through it. That is just deepens your love deepens your connection and and sets them free even more is there anything that you want to say about how you might help people to develop that sense early on and any advice I think you said it so beautifully I think a key part of that is getting support for you so when we can take our worries and our fears to someone else and say this is what's scaring me and this is what I'm worried about and we're able to feel it and and tune into where that may come from within us and our own stories and be heard in that then it creates more possibility to go back to our children with openness so I think that is just it's fundamental I just don't think you can do it with parenting without having support I just don't think you can you have to have uh, you know, whether it's a community or a listening person or just someone that is there as your guide or mentor, I think is so just it's imperative. So yeah. I think that is really, really important. Um, I think it's just really learning to trust ourselves. So then that's what we can do with our children. And for me, you know, I do a lot of work with adults these days and looking at what I call our imprints, which is what are the messages we received around something like trust? What did we watch in our family of origin? What what was our parents' relationship to trust? What were we modelled? Were we told all the time, be careful? You know, were we told don't trust anyone? Like what, what were the messages we received around that? And so often we're operating from the language we were taught. So if the language we were taught was don't trust anyone and you've got to be careful and then that's how we see the world often until we stop and actually go, is that true and do I want that? And and then when we actually start to do more of our own work on that, then we can begin to change some of those beliefs and stories around it that allows us to have a greater capacity to move into trust or whatever, whether it's trust, whether it's anger, whether it's sadness, whether it's whatever, we can, we apply it to everything. What is it that we were taught? What is the story that sits in ourselves around this? And how do we lean into that so we can change it for what we want our children to to feel? Yeah. Wow. That's so lovely, isn't it? 
And I think, yeah, that's just the crucial thing to be getting support because so often when we have big feelings ourselves, that's what gets in the way of the trust, isn't it? And so having the opportunity to express those big feelings and to, to clear them, literally to let them go, because you can tend to, I mean, I've had so many times when I go into the sort of catastrophic thinking about how things are going to be. And then I just have the chance to, to express those worries mm-hmm. and those fears to somebody else. And then, then they're gone. And then I'm back like, oh, actually, no, everything's fine. It's okay. <laughs> everything's fine. And then totally. you can connect with your children from that space, not from the space of, oh, my God, everything's a disaster. Yeah, completely, completely. And, and look, when your kids are little, we don't have often the chance to go, hey, guys, can you just pause for a minute? I need to go and work through some of my stuff here and call someone. We don't. You you don't even get to go to the toilet on your own. But when your kids are a bit bigger, then you do have more opportunities to say, hey, I'm going to come back to you on this or uh, just give me a little bit to to really feel. And there were many times where I said to my kids, I am going to pause for a second and I'm just going to go make a phone call or just give me some time. And I would go and ring my friend and say, hey, can you listen to me around this? Or I'd talk to my husband or whatever it was so that I could actually clear what was there. So I could come back and be as clean and as clear as possible to sit in with whatever was present. Yeah. And I, I've also loved with aware parent, I've loved that too. And um, yeah, with aware parenting, I've also loved that um, you know, giving our children permission to call us when we are obviously behaving uh, in yes. a way that is um, not conducive for loving harmony in the family. Yes. And yeah. My children many times have said to me, well, mom, hang on a minute. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is that is so empowering, isn't it? To be able for our children to know that they can go, actually, you are not speaking from your heart right now, or what are you projecting onto me? Like, and I love that that our children absolutely do that. Yeah. They they call us out on that and go, This is yours. And I'm like, yeah. oof, oof, that feels hard. <laughs> it feels a bit brutal when they do it, but they're true. But they're always on point. Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, okay, I'm gonna go and just sit with that for a bit now. Yeah. And that's so good for them as well to have those skills so that now that you know, my children are in relationships with, with you know, they have partners and, mm. you know, they, they would, they, they, I hear my daughter and I, the way she's, she communicates about what isn't, what she's willing to, you know, listen to or willing to hear or, you know, all of those things. It's just amazing. And she's, she's only 16. Yes. I wouldn't be able to have those conversations now. Yes. So yes. It's just, it yes. just equips them so well for every relationship in their life, doesn't it? 100% because they, I think that the, the most powerful thing is that it teaches them to really listen to themselves. Yeah. And, and it also teaches them that what they're feeling, whether it's frustration or anger or sad or whatever, is just as worthy as joy and happiness and pleasure. And and so they learn to tune into it and go, what's the message here or what am I needing? And so I find with my kids, they don't shy away from conflict. They, they will lean in and say, hey, what's going on here? And they are really peaceful humans. Like they are really all about often going, actually, that doesn't feel good. They'll often stand up for people if they're being treated badly. Like they, they're really strong advocates for justice and truth. And, and it's, it's, it is, it's amazing to witness. I look at them and just think there's no way I would have done that when I was 13, or there's no way I would do that at 18. And yet here they are so clear in, in knowing who they are and what they need. Then they ask for that and they speak it, you know, and they actually don't really care what anyone thinks. And that to me, oh my God, yeah. that's yeah. the part I look at them and go, that is the most freeing part that I wish teenage me had. Absolutely. They don't care what other people think. They, they're following who they are and what, you know, and I just think, oh man, that's, yeah. Powerful. 
Yeah, absolutely. So often that they just see them making choices and, and taking action that is just what they need, what they want to do right there and then. And so often I've had situations where I'm really upset about something and I'm devastated about something that's happened and my kids are like, Mom, really? Mm. Like, mm. that's not a thing. Yes. yes. Like, oh, yeah, of course, you're free of all that crap. That's <laughs> a thing for you. But that is a thing for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think more than anything too, I see the absolute natural empathy and compassion they have for humans. Like that's what I see. They are able to lean in when something's big or hard and just go, I am so sorry. And, you know, what do you need? And just that's their default. Their default is compassion. Their default is never to laugh at someone or pick on someone or be mean to someone. Their default is always like, oh gosh, that's really big, you know, and and I'm here, like, and that's what I love too. It's they don't have to work at it; it's just naturally there. Beautiful, mm. beautiful. Mm. So for us, maybe we could talk a bit, like, just the last few minutes about um, the stage that we're both in now, where we have children who've flown the nest, and mm. what it's like to aware parent adults. Because mm. yeah, it's it's a it's a different. It's a different situation, isn't it? I mean, in a lot of ways, it's basically exactly the same thing. But we're both in situations where our older children have moved out of home. Mm. Um, so the dynamic changes at home for the younger ones and mm. what it's like for us as aware parents, deeply connected mm. and deeply loving our children to not be mm. with them every day. Yes, yes. It's really, um, it's such an interesting time. Like there's there's the mix between such joy that they're living their life and they're flying and they're 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 figuring out who they are and then there's that part of like oh I, I really miss you and I there's like a little bit of a grief you know of that's finishing like I when we, we just moved about seven six seven weeks ago and I I was I was sad because I was like we will all never live in the same house again. You know, yep. we won't because I can, you know, my older kids are out there doing their thing. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's the last time we will have been as a family of five together. And so I feel joy that they're spreading their wings, but it definitely is a shift. And, and I've had to just sit with my feelings around that. And and um, and yet what I've found is when we all come back together, so when they come back to visit us or we're together, God, it feels so lovely. It feels mm. so lovely. Even their relationship as siblings has shifted and changed to be even more beautiful. And we're mm. spending this quality time together, not just like fleeting moments. And that's what I found has been really extraordinary. And, and you know, I, I don't often feel like I'm their parent anymore. I just don't. I feel like I'm just a friend. Like they come and share what's going on in their lives or they'll ask for help. Or my daughter was the other day was like, I've got a sore tooth. I have to go to the dentist. Like talk me through that. What do I do? I'm like, okay, darling, well, here's the number of the dentist call that. And she's like, well, how do I pay? Like, you know, there's all these beautiful life things she's learning that she still kind of leans into a bit of like, mom, how do I do this bit? Or how do I do that? And that's really beautiful. But the meeting them kind of almost like just as an adult, as a friend of what's going on in your life, what are you doing? It's really beautiful. I don't, I don't, they don't need me really anymore. Like sometimes there's stuff like, you know, I'm short of money or could you do this or, or how do I do that, which is still beautiful. But I don't, I don't feel the need to have to take care of them 
because mm-hmm. they're taking care of themselves. And that's, it's it's weird. Look, and I still have a young one, probably like you at home. My youngest is 14, so she's still at home and I'm still kind of, you know, mumming her. Uh, but she's pretty independent as it is. But I can definitely see, you know, there's those times now where weekends there's no one home but my husband and I or we yeah. do stuff more and we're like, oh, this is, this is the next phase. And now I'm like, who's going to look after the dog? And we're talking, should we get another puppy? I'm like, no, let's not feel the space. I'm not, I don't want to look after anything else. Uh, but yeah, it just, it changes, it changes and it's beautiful and it's sweet and it also feels a bit sad and yeah, but it, but it, I don't know, there's joy at watching them live their lives, you know, mm. way. Mm. Yeah, so what much about joy. For you? Yeah, so much joy. And it's just really mixed feelings, isn't it? And I think it's, it's just that it's the end or the next stage in that process of letting go. And, and there are times it's all about just, yeah, whatever we're feeling, just finding a way to express that. And, you know, well, in the early days when you're breastfeeding and then you stop breastfeeding and there's a bit of grief around that. And then, you know, they go to school or or whatever it is that's the next stage. There's always little little steps along the way towards yes. the end of it. But um, I'm just yes. so grateful. And I, we're just finding um, new ways to connect um, that's, that are fun and that are joyful. And like you say, when we get together, we've just been together and, uh, for a few days and you know we celebrated mother's day together and we just had this absolutely beautiful day and yeah we write each other gorgeous messages and then when they come home I put fresh sheets on their bed and I cook all their favorite food yes. and so I still get to, to do all those things that I like doing but yes. wow it's a big big different kind of thing to be to be dealing yeah. with yeah, yeah it really is isn't it Uh, You know, I reflect I've actually I've really leaned into doing more work in the last few years because my kids don't need me as much now because they're big, you know, whereas when they were little, uh, you know, even though I have like, you know, I I love business and work and stuff like that, I just I really remember this is not my time for this yet. You know, my time is to be with them. And I'm really, even though there was frustrations within me, I'm really glad that I just did stay home with my kids and and really prioritise their feelings and connection. Because I I think, again, coming back to that trust, I always trusted that there'll be a time when they aren't going to need me as much and then I can really do work that I want to do. And I really am seeing the fruits of that now, which feels really beautiful and um and I know that's not the same for everybody it looks different for every family but I really see how powerful that was of investing for me and my children in those younger years and being that mama at home and um yeah and now yeah it it feels rich you know that it's kind of more about me and where I am and what I'm wanting to do for myself now and still being able to stay connected to them yeah wow wow Mm. nice and now I'm looking forward to I'm like, oh, now the next phase would be having grandbabies. I know. I'm just thinking this whole new thing of aware grandparenting. <laughs> I am like, oh, my God. And my son looks at me. He's like, settle down, mum. It's going to be a few years. And I'm like, okay, but when you're ready, oh, my God, I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I no longer want babies, right? But, oh, grandbabies, I'd be like, yes, that would be amazing. It really would. Yeah. It really would. Yeah. Yeah, it will. How lovely. That's the yes. nice thing to look forward to, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, and Leil, your beautiful school, mm. just briefly. I mean, what an incredible um, baby that's been for you to birth and grow. That's probably a huge, yeah. huge process. What a, what's mm. the, 
what's the main sort of mm-hmm. what are you most struck it's by about that having done that yeah oh yeah it was it's definitely one of the hardest things I've ever done uh, it's taking really these concepts and philosophies of aware parenting and putting them in an education system which for anyone who understands the education system you'll know is so broken it's yep. so deeply broken yep. so to build a school from the ground up that actually prioritizes emotional connection first was tricky and you know what actually the philosophy in itself wasn't tricky because I just so knew what I wanted it to look like it's all the infrastructure it takes to make it happen which is so hard like it is so hard building a school it costs a lot of money it's a lot of time it was a lot of um hard work to get to where we are uh we've been open for a year and a half now I can't even begin to tell you the magic that happens and that um it's just extraordinary. And, you know, look, you know, we have to still, I say, play the game. Like we're, you know, we're a proper school that's regist- registered. We follow the Australian curriculum. But the way we do it is so beautiful. We're a play-based learning school. So our children have so much choice and autonomy around their learning. There's so much play and laughter. We're on a farm. So we have like you know, 20 acres and then there's like another 200 acres that we can access. So the children are outside most of the time. They're climbing trees. They've got no shoes on. They're usually pretty dirty and filthy. There's so much choice and autonomy around just how we have natural rhythms in the day, but wherever we can give children choice and autonomy, we do. But our main tenant is really around helping children to feel connected to themselves. So if a child is having a hard time, we have a lot of adults around uh, to tune in with them and say, hey, what's what's up? And so sometimes it's just going and visiting the animals. Sometimes it's going to jump on the trampoline and have a swing. Sometimes it's going for a walk and a cry. Everything looks through the lens of um, how do we hold space for them to be who they need to be. Wow. And yeah, look, what we see is just extraordinary. Like we have incredible team of people um, now, and that's been really tricky finding the right people who have done the work and who can hold what this is. I feel for a lot of teachers, it requires a lot of unlearning of what they've been taught and told. So it's we don't use any punitive consequences or anything like that. It is always what's happening for the child. So it requires a lot of listening and it requires spaciousness in yourself to meet them where they're at. Uh, but you know, we have kids say all the time, you know, my old school, I was never allowed to cry, whereas here I can cry whenever I want to. Or children, we we celebrate this as a win. Our beautiful principal was saying to me, she goes, I know it's so bizarre, she said, but this is these are the things that make me the most excited is when a child walks into an office and says, Claire, I'm so angry. And Claire's like, excellent. <laughs> She's like, the fact that these kids come in and say, I'm angry and this is what I need, she goes, God, that I go, now we're doing the right thing. You know, she's like, that's the evidence that I keep seeing. We've had so many children whose who's family, who the family say, my kids never really express how they're feeling or it's, you know, they shut their feelings down a lot, who are coming home, who are expressing, who tell us what they need, uh, who know what they need instinctively and say, I need to go and do this now. I'm feeling like this. And we're like, yep, great, you know, and can we support you or whatever? That's what's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. So, and, and not only that, and this is what we're starting to measure is the learning and children's development in learning is off the scale yeah. because they now feel of course free. it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, which you would know that, it, but it is. It's incredible to witness it in a group. It's incredible to witness it in a system that really has these metrics and measurements, but where like the more we prioritise emotions and holding, the more their learning is developing mm-hmm. in the most extraordinary ways. So I feel incredibly proud of what we're doing. I feel like what we are 
what we are doing there, and it is only getting better, is um, is hopefully going to be a benchmark of what education can be moving yeah. forward. Uh, I think it's it's taken great courage to do it, to actually say we want to do it differently and to really stand for the child, which is what always I feel like my work's been, is I want to speak for the heart of the child and so let's put them in the centre of this whole situation and look at every single thing we look at is where is that for them. Uh, so it feels amazing. I mean, it's still hard, like we're still learning lots and unlearning lots and um We've currently got 54 kids and I think next year we'll probably have 91 children and that will, um, we probably won't be much bigger than that. Uh, but we have inc- an incredible team and, and again, giving them permission to slow down, to tune into the children, to prioritise laughter and fun, to hold space for feelings. Like even they are just like, wow, this is extraordinary. I could never go back and teach in a mainstream school ever. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been it's been amazing and I'm very proud of what we're doing and we're still learning lots. And But from what I see and what I hear and what I witness is just, it's what I always wanted it to look like. Wow. I have so much admiration and respect for you, Lael, because, I I mean, the system stinks and we just got out of it. We were like, nah, I don't want to have anything to do with this. But to, um, yeah, to have the courage to say, actually, we want it to be different and we want to find ways to, to do this in a way that actually, I mean, who knew that our education might actually meet the needs of the children who are being educated? Yeah. But yeah. How incredible. I, c- I can imagine how difficult it is and how difficult it is to do it within the system where you still have to have a gazillion policies and procedures and, you know, um, expectations about outcomes and all of that sort of stuff. It must be must be really challenging. But it's wow, a, it's what a, a profound juggle. thing. Yeah, it is. Like, you know, one part, our philosophy and vision is one small part of a bigger picture of legals and policies and child safety and infrastructure. Oh, my God, it's just so massive. It's so massive. But when we keep coming back to that centre point, and that's where I'm so grateful for our principal and our team because they believe in it so deeply and they hold it as the vision and they look through that lens all the time that I I really do see the possibility of what we're creating. So, yeah. I'm very proud of it and I can't wait to see where it moves to. Like I feel like I've done my work now by birthing it and putting it out there in the world and now these incredible people we have are, um, you know, taking it even further. So it's, you know, I'm there kind of one day a week and often when I go to the school and I watch the kids and I look around and think, wow, this is amazing. This This is amazing that we made it happen. Yeah. Wow, it does sound really amazing. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> incredible good on you mm, thank you big big job yes 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 yeah and look you know I, I, the reason our school came about was uh, one of my um the woman I built it with Mel she was a client of mine for quite a few years we would I'd just do a web parenting stuff with her and really she came to me one day and just said why why is it different at home than it is into school mm. what if we made the school environment like the home environment where we welcome feelings and we there was choice and there's play and why can't we do that? And I'm like, well, because the system isn't that. And she's like, well, why don't we build one? And it really was her saying, I want that for my children. And her saying, I have, the, you know, the funds and the infrastructure to do it. Why don't you create the school that you think it should be and we'll do it together? So I feel like it was just divine synchronicity. You know, we had a lot of trust between us having worked together. And um, really, I think the combination of us was just the right thing to bring it to life. So I feel like it was a project that just came through us to, to for these kids and these families and who knows for the future. We'll see. Wow. Mm. Wow. 
Well, I imagine that keeps you pretty busy, but do you, do you still, what what do you do now in terms of offerings for people? Where, mm. where can people who yeah. want, if people want to work with you in some way, mm. what, what do you do? Um, so I have like online courses at the moment. So I have an immersion that I do, which is an eight week, I call it an eight week aware parenting immersion, which goes through a lot of the philosophies of aware parenting, but it also takes you deeper into your own stories and your own childhood and really helping you look at what your patterns are and how that turns up in parenting. So I have a, a new live round starting on the 20th of June. So I usually run about four of those a year, which is really amazing and working in a group with people. Um, I have just courses online that people can do. I have a great couples course I created, which was really for one of the biggest things I found in in counselling a lot was people coming going, how do I get my partner on board? Yep. And, and, then, and you know, it is a big challenge. So I created a course. Actually, that was through COVID. I was like my coping mechanism through COVID was to work. So I, um, you know, created this course for couples to really be able to work through where parenting, the philosophies, and then also look at their relationship as well. Um, so that's that's on my website. And um, we have a podcast that Marion and I do, which is always a lot of joy and fun. I do a lot of public speaking. So I work with the Resilience Project. So I do talks kind of all over Australia. Australia, talking on resilience in kids and just how and, it, and really how we turn up and meet their, their feelings and emotions. I talk a lot about that in my talks there. Um, and then Marion and I have a book that's coming out really soon. I feel like we've been talking about it forever, but it is really soon. <laughs> it's almost there. Um, so, and uh, look, I was doing one-on-one counselling for a while. I'm not really doing that as much anymore. It's kind of just in group courses or bigger public events talking. Um, so, yeah, so that that's enough at the moment. I've got a few, a few things that's- in here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just a little bit on your plate. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like having it. Oh, look, I'm the type of person. If I if I just did one job, I'd get bored. So I like having four or five things on the go. So, yeah, and I I I love creating new things and um, seeing what's possible. So it's um, yeah, it feels it feels exciting. So if people wanted to know more about my stuff, you can listen to our podcast or you can check out my website. My courses and stuff are on there. And what's your website, Lael? It's laelstone.com.au. Nice. There's not many people called Lael. Yeah, so I say if you just Google Lael, you'll find me because there's not really many (laughs) other people called Lael. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Mm. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really enjoyed talking to you and Mm. um, learning a bit more about your aware parenting journey. Mm. And um, is there anything that you want to just say at the end that you haven't said or any words of wisdom for somebody early on in this process? Mm. Well, firstly, thank you so much, Joss, for having me. It's so beautiful to connect and just talk about it, and particularly with someone who's really journeyed all of the years and into the teenage years and gets that. So I really enjoyed, you know, connecting. Uh, oh, look, I, I, again, I would just say be so gentle with yourself. You know, yeah. if you're starting away parenting, be so gentle. It is like learning a brand new language and it takes time and practice and we need others to speak fluently to us in this language. And so that's where community is important and support's important. But be so gentle with yourself because, you know, we can often be so hard on ourselves as parents or I'm not getting it right, but every little bit of connection you bring, every little laughter and bit of play, you know, even five minutes of listening to tears with presence is a gift. So, mm. you know, so be be gentle. You know, I, I just think it's taken me years and years to reach the capacity I can for space, holding space and feelings and listening to others. But in the beginning, you know, it was just small bits and that's where we all sometimes need to start. So be be gentle with yourself. Oh, I love that. Yeah, really nice. Really mm. nice. 
Oh, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me, Joss. Thank you for joining me on Aware Parenting Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. To find out more, please visit my website, www.awareparenting.com.au and follow me on social media at Aware Parenting with Joss. I wish you much connection and love on your parenting adventures. Mm -hmm.